opportunity to talk, and she wouldn't take it. Uh, who said miracles have ceased? <laughs> Holy kitty. <laughs> hey, hey, yay. Watch it. I, I, hey, I'm under the anointing. I, I, I told some of them coming in, I brought my WD-40. <laughs> I, got, I got my can, Papa. She started squeaking on the way to the door. I'll let you, you know, you want me to move on, huh? Just, uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Bless her heart. She's a trooper. I'm telling you, she just, uh, you know, been wooled around here. But we're on the men. Amen? Amen. We're, we're on, the, on the men. I want to talk to you this morning, Luke chapter 15. Uh, I want to talk to you about freedom. How free is freedom? And uh, really want you, if you're, if you're still journaling, uh, I really got some points here I'd like for you to remember. If you don't have your journal with you, I, I like to find uh, blank pages in my Bible. I even write on the back section. Uh, any time I hear something that, I, I write everywhere. Sometimes you can't read this Bible for printing over the top stuff. But anyway, if you hear something, you, you need to write it down. And then uh, that way it help you remember. So um, I got some things I really want you to remember about how free is freedom. And, it, and the story we're going to read is probably one of the, the most popular or famous of the parables. In Luke chapter 15... Starting at verse 11, it says, Then he said, speaking about Jesus, a certain man had two sons. Now, even though this is related to as a parable, this is a true story. Because a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he, the father, divided to them. Notice the word them. Um. Jewish culture demanded that when the inheritance was divided uh, to one, all of them had to receive. And the firstborn, or the elder son, always received a double portion. So at that point in time when this younger son came prematurely and asked for his portion of the inheritance, the elder brother got also his, his double portion. So he, the father, divided unto them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine or hogs. For a Jewish boy, that had to be the lowest job uh, because swine was unclean. The hog was unclean. Unclean animal. It had to be the lowest part of his life. <clears throat> and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. <clears throat> but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hard servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. Verse 18, the first part of that says, I will arise and go to my father. He came to his senses 
the pulpit commentary records the product, the parable of the prodigal son. It records it as the pearl of parable. It has everything. In this story that I just read to you, it has everything. If in your devotions you want to read the, the complete story, I challenge you to do that. It is a story of greed. It's a story of lust. It's a story of love. It's a story of hate. It's a story about a person who is totally given over to selfishness and self-centeredness. Yes, it's all about, all about, also about forgiveness and restoration. But this true story relates to the young and to the old as well. There's not a person in this building that this story does not relate to. It relates to the believer and it relates to the unbeliever. It relates to the backslider, to the stubborn saint who thinks God's laws are too old-fashioned, and to the young person who thinks that they know it all. <clears throat> Been there, done that. I once was young and now I'm old. And uh, my dad was the, he was, when I was 16, 17, 18, he was the most ignorant person that I knew. But there's something amazing about the older you get, the smarter your dad becomes. And uh, there's times now that I wish I had dad to talk to, to ask him questions, because he was just pretty smart. It warns everyone, it warns everyone of the illusion of the far country. I want to say this before we go any farther. Caution. You are about to enter the no-spin zone. How many knows where that comes from? Bill O'Reilly. Caution. You're about to enter the no-spin zone. Jesus is going to tell it just like it is. The illusion of the far country has been a trap to a lot of people, Christians, and unbelievers alike. What is the far country? For this Jewish boy, it was being somewhere out in the world away from his father. Some young people cannot wait to get away from their family to be on their own because they're hemmed in with all these old-fashioned rules and all this other stuff. And you know what? I, I, yeah, I've been there, done that, haven't you? And you get out there and, you, you, and you're on your own and you find out that you wasn't really as smart as you thought you were. And some of you wind up coming back home. <laughs> he felt like he was being restricted. He didn't see his father's rule as being a protection. He saw them as restrictive. To some, it's having more money. What is your far country? Well, to some, it's position. To some, it's, it's authority. Some, it's a relationship. If I had this relationship, I had that. It's a far country. But this parable warns us of the far country. And I want to say this very carefully right now before we go any farther. If you're not happy and satisfied and content with where you are right now, the far country is not going to change that. You might change positions, but you're not going to, you're not going to change what's on the inside because you take what's on the inside of you wherever you go. So if you can't be happy and content and satisfied with the relationship you're in, there, how many know that more second relationships fail than first? I'm not telling you, I'm not, I'm telling you statistically, there's more failed second marriages than there are failed first marriages. So if you fall into the illusion that 
if I can get out of this relationship, maybe get into another relationship, it's going to solve all of my issues. No, your issues, <laughs> you've got to have it. You'll take your issues everywhere. Because the problem is not where you're at. The problem is who you are. The far country. What is your far country? There's some position. If I could just make this much money. If, uh, you know, because people have the idea that money can solve all their problems. The money can solve a lot of problems. But it won't solve the inner problems that you, that you have. Because if you haven't learned how to take care of the money that you're already getting, it's very doubtful if you, if you won the lottery, you could take care of it. Caution. <laughs> you are about to enter the no-spin zone. Listen up. Satan's main weapon in his war against you and the church is deception, not possession. You see, if, you, if you're possessed, we can just lay hands on you and solve your problem. But uh, the problem with, with us is that we're not possessed. The problem is that we are in deception. And as long as we are in deception, there is no one that can help us. What is deception? It's someone who thinks they're right, but in reality, they're wrong. And I, Now notice this. Satan comes in three forms. You need to write this down. Satan comes in three forms. Okay? Number one, he comes as the roaring lion. 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse 8. Be sober. Now that has nothing to do with not drinking. It has everything to do with a sound mind. Thinking right. Thinking the way this book tells you to think. Uh, so be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Why? What is the roaring lion? What is the purpose of the roaring lion? To intimidate you. To cause you to fear. How does he do that? Peer pressure. All these young people that walk across this stage, if we could sit down and be honest with them today, a lot of the decisions they make in life, uh, is, it, a lot of them is made simply because they didn't want to seem out of step with the rest of the people they was running with. Peer pressure will do that. It will intimidate you. It will make you make choices that you really don't want to make because you want to seem weird or squirrel or out of step. You know, you want to, you want to belong. You want to be a part of the crowd. And so God, Satan uses peer pressure to force you and to cause you to make decisions that you would not ordinarily make popular opinion. Oh, we're all crowded today with that, aren't we? I mean, we find it's all, it comes at us from the news, comes at us from the newspaper, comes at us through the propaganda, comes through all. I mean, we, we got to be, you know, the pressure's on today to be, uh, you know, uh, politically correct. We, and so we're, we're intimidated. If we speak out and really tell the truth, we're intimidated because everybody says, well, you're crazy. That's old-fashioned or that's archaic and that's not the new, the new thought that we're going by now. And so they try to, to silence the voice of reason or the voice of truth with popular opinion. How about circumstances? Anybody going through some circumstances lately? And the enemy is using the circumstances you're facing to intimidate you and to cause you not, not to be what you're supposed to be in God. Listen, I, I can say, listen, I've been wrestling with a few circumstances, and possibly you have too. Things just not working like you want it to work. Listen, the enemy is trying to what? Intimidate you. So he comes as a roaring lion. Secondly, he comes as a serpent. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 13, it's where he, it's where, where he got his name and is carried on throughout the Bible. He said, you know, the serpent, he, he deceived me. The serpent comes to entice you. 
Remember the snake, and remember this, the snake conforms to the contour of the earth. It, 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 it body, it doesn't, it doesn't walk on its hind feet anymore. It, it lays out to the, and, and follows the contour of the earth of the dirt. What is his three aces that he tries to use on you, prophet? Money. Is money wrong? Nope. Money out of balance, wrong? Absolutely. Is having, is having, is, is lusting after money and money having you wrong? Absolutely. And he will use that on you as a serpent to entice you. Power, authority, is power and authority wrong? Nope. Nothing wrong with power and authority. Uh, many people in this building, you're all in position of authority. If you're a parent, you're in a position of authority. If you're a husband or, and are married, you are in a position of authority. What's wrong with, with authority and power when it becomes abusive? When it is used the wrong way, when it is used to hammer and to control uh, others in, in, a, in a negative way, it becomes wrong. How about pleasure? That's just three aces that he plays on us as a serpent, okay? He entices us through money and through power and through pleasure. Uh, it's all right. Just take your ease. Set back. Now, vacations aren't wrong and getting, getting rest is not wrong. That's not I'm not preaching about, you know, against vacation, but I'm telling you, you need to keep pleasure in your life balanced out with worship. Thirdly, he comes as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. What is, what is that? He, he, even the, and no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. It's religion. It is Religion coming, our good coming in the clothes in a cloak of right. We rub shoulders with religious people every day. You work with religious people. We, we you know, our, our friends, uh, some of our friends are religious people. They, they don't have a relationship with God, but if you talk to them, they'll talk religion to you. They'll say Christian terms and use Christian terms, but there's no relationship with God going on in their heart. Because there's no transform, transformation going on. They, they have religion. They have accepted the form without the substance. Our world is being inundated with, with religious people, religious churches, religious systems. There's a flood of that. But real transforming power for a person comes in having a relationship with God. This young Jewish boy bought into the deception that every thing that would bring fulfillment and satisfaction and joy could only be found in the far country. Now notice this. The father let him go. The father gave in to his wishes. You know, I have found after 35 years of ministry, rarely can you help a deceived person. You can counsel with them, you can talk to them, you can pray for them, but rarely can you help a deceived person. Remember the definition of deception. Deception is someone who thinks they're right, but in reality they're wrong. Well, how, and, and, you, and probably you're asking, how can you, if, if what you think is not agreeing with this, you're wrong. It's real quiet. Can we, can we go on? But he came to his senses where? In the pig pen. 
He regained his wisdom. He got his thinking back straight. He realized his foolishness. How did he, what did it happen? How, how did it happen? When he was eyeball to eyeball with a hog. Notice, for this Jewish boy, it all started when he wanted his freedom. We just celebrated Memorial Day and was reminded of the cost of freedom. People died that we might, ha might enjoy freedom. We was reminded. In our, country, in our country today, freedom is a popular subject. You can hear it in the news every day. You can hear the pot smoker wants the freedom to smoke his dope. And if you want to, you can go to Colorado and buy it right over the counter. Just, you know, but, but the pot smoker, I've got my health card, and I want my freedom to smoke my dope. Women's liberals want their freedom. I don't know what they want to be free from, but whatever, they're wanting their freedom. Everybody, there's all this group and that group. I, I saw in the news where the Second Amendment guys were wearing their guns in Texas trying to go into Sonic. <laughs> Oh, my Jesus. Ugh. The homosexual wants their freedom. Oh, God, everyone wants their freedom. Women want the freedom to murder their kids. Hmm. And it goes on and on and on. Everybody scrambling around wanting their freedom. For this Jewish boy, his problems all started when he wanted his freedom. Question, what is freedom and why do you want it? What are you doing with the freedom you have now? What are you doing with the freedom you have now? I'm a, now, I want to give you some things. Number one, we are never free enough to escape community. What do I mean by that? Our lives are linked together. What you do affects me and what I do affects you. There is no time and no place where we will be absolutely free of community because what we all do reflects on every one of us. <laughs> Get rid of the idea that I have absolute freedom. Now, if you're in this service today and you think you have absolute freedom, that is a great idea and it might sell a lot of stuff, but it's not true. Not we, nobody has absolute freedom. The sun does not have it. The, the earth does not have it. The moon does not have it. The sea does not have it. The stars do not have it. And you do not have it. Freedom comes in a package, and you need to write these two things down. Freedom comes in a package. It's called the responsibility of life and the consequences of life. Listen to me right by again. The responsibility of life and the consequences of life. You may be saying right now to yourself, well, I live in America, and I have my freedom and I can do whatever I want. I, I can shoot that. Just, just buy a lot and try to build a house on it if you think you're free. Well, you'll find out real quick how free you are. You just quit paying. Yeah, next April 15th, just don't pay your taxes. I just got the idea that I'm free, and because I live in America, I'm free. I'm just going to quit paying Uncle Sam. Well, you see how far that's going to get you. You see, get rid of the idea that we all have absolute freedom because it might sell products, but I'm telling you, it don't sell because it'll get you thrown in jail. It'll cause you to go bankrupt. Freedom comes in a combined package. It's called the responsibility of life and the consequences of life. What good is freedom of speech if all you do is slander someone? Well, I live in a free country, 
and I can say what I want to. Really? Well, what good is your freedom of speech if all you do is cuss? What good is freedom of speech if all you do is sow discord? What good is freedom of, uh, of speech if all you do is, is tell lies? What good is freedom of speech if all you do is mentally abuse your wife or you mentally abuse your husband? What good is freedom of speech if you use your freedom of speech to do negative things? Well, you have the freedom to do that if you want to, but not in this. Choose your words wisely because you'll eat them one of these days. Freedom. We have the freedom to vote. Absolutely. How many of you do? <laughs> and then when we do vote, is the votes that we cast guided by biblical principles? Woo! Well, this is a Christian country. Well, it's not reflected in the people we vote into office. Come on, preach with me now. This is the no-spin zone. If you vote for people that are anti-family, I'm telling you, you'll answer to God for that. If you vote people into office that are pro-abortion, you'll answer for, to God for that. I don't care who they are. I'm not going to vote for somebody who is pro-abortion. I'm not going to vote for anybody who advances anti-family values and promotes homosexuality and all that. I'm not voting for them suckers. That's what I am saying. This is the no-spin zone. We have the freedom to vote, but are we voting right? And the answer is America has been voting wrong. We get what we ask for. Someone says, well, I thought, I thought, you know, let's just pray and let's let God take care of it all. I got a better idea. After you pray, why don't you go vote right? We won't, we won't pray and let God do it all. Well, listen, God's done just about everything he's going to do. Now he said, you go and you occupy until I come. Oh, mercy. Well, I'm getting in politics on it. Freedom. We have the freedom of worship. Oh, man. I have the freedom to worship. But what good is the freedom of worship if you choose not to worship? Can we talk? Hundreds of churches close their doors every month. Hundreds close their doors every month. Why do they do that? Because the people who once attended that church choose not to worship faithfully. Can we talk? And because, you see, what if our church services was geared around your attendance? How often would our doors be open? We have reduced worship down to one hour a week on Sunday morning. Most of the large churches in Bakersfield only have a Sunday morning service. Uh, they, don't, they, they don't have a Sunday night service because they can run uh, 4,000 on Sunday morning and not get 100 on Sunday night. Something wrong with that picture. Can we talk? Why is that? Well, because they're sitting at home in the recliner watching the boob tube. This is a no-spin zone. You choose, you have made, you have taken your freedom of worship, 
And by, you, by your denying of, of coming to worship, you have said, I don't care if the church survives or not. I'm giving God an hour a week. That's it. And hundreds and hundreds of churches across America have reduced worship down to one hour a week on Sunday morning. And someone says, well, I can worship at home. And you should. You really should. You should worship more at home. And then not neglect the church because the church is God's institution. What is he God, what has God ordained to evangelize the world? The church. You are a part of the church. Your gifts and your and your are supposed to be plugged into the church. Evangelism through your life be flowing through the church. You're not to be some isolated lone ranger cowboy out there, but you are to be connected and then benefiting and giving benefit to the church. It's God's plan. He's not going to come up with another plan because we only choose to give him an hour on Sunday. Freedom of worship. We are never free enough to get away from our choices. Freedom requires that we choose and then we live with the consequences of our choices. Not making a choice is making a choice. How did this young Jewish boy wind up in the pig pen? He chose to go there. Now listen to me very carefully. He chose to go there. America and believers, we have taken our freedom and we have marched into the far country. And we've accepted the new morality that has ushered it in. Now we've accepted child abuse. We've accepted abortion. We, we've accepted it's ushered in the new morality. ushered in AIDS, drugs, addiction, homosexuality, divorce. We have accepted everything that the world has put our, given our way because we've made the choice to accept it. And behind all of these things that we accept when we accept the new morality is the voices of those crying, I want to be free. You are right now the sum total of your, what your choices have made you. What have we done with our freedom? We are as close to God or as far from God as we choose to be right now. See, we are the ones that is creating the record of our life. We can't blame anyone for the record we have made with our choices but us. Thirdly, you need to write this one down. Freedom is never free at the expense of your conscience. What do I mean by that? A clear conscience to some people is a short memory. What is a conscience? It's that little voice that tells you whether you're doing right or wrong. This Jewish boy violated his conscience. He knew not to leave home the way he did. He knew that was wrong. He knew that was against the law. He knew it was wrong. He knew that he was to honor his father. You know what he was saying when he came to his father and said, I want my inheritance and I want it right now? He is saying to his father, I wish you were dead. exactly what he's saying I can't wait for you to die give me what's coming to me he was saying I he's telling his father I wish you were dead 
He violated his conscience. And he asked for his inheritance. That boy knew better than that. He knew better than to waste his inheritance. But he went ahead and trampled on his conscience. And he did it anyway. He knew not to get involved in immorality. But he did it anyway. He trampled on his conscience. And he did it anyway. Now before we pick up stones to, to, to stone this young boy. Have we or are we doing things right now that violate our conscience? Or have we done things and are we doing things that that little voice in the back of your head says you shouldn't do that? And have we ignored that little voice, trampled on our conscience? You know, it's easy sometimes to throw stones at this young Jewish boy. But sometimes we are riding right in the same boat. It's fascinating, isn't it? Reason will justify what conscience condemns. You need to write that down. Reason will justify what conscience condemns. You see, reason will wrap it up in a neat little package. Well, I'm older, I'm wiser, I'm this, I'm that. I have a reason. Uh, they, they deserve it. I mean, reason will give you, I mean, you can reason this stuff out and you can, you, and reason will justify what your, your conscience is screaming at you. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, but you can reason it all out. <laughs> it may sound so good. After all, everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. That's a lie, not everyone. Pastor, how can I be free? Write this down. We must be voluntarily mastered by something greater than we are. We must be voluntarily mastered by something greater than we are. What do I mean by that? To Israel was the Ten Commandments. They submitted themselves. And as long as they did what God had told them and that law to do, make the sacrifice and stuff, from year to year, their sin question was taken care of. They were mastered by that. They willingly submitted whatever the Lord tells us to do. That's what we're going to do. That's what they said at the bottom of that mountain. They were mastered by that. Let me give you this in closing. Matthew chapter 10, verses 38 and 39. Here's how you're going to get free. Forgiveness. Someone said well, I, I've done that. I've asked God to forgive me. Well, okay. But you're wanting freedom, right? The Scripture just says, And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. The cross here is, a, is not a symbol of a particular burden or a load or whatever or some distress thing. That's not what this is talking about. The cross here symbolizes a willingness to give one's life sacrificially to Jesus. Except you pick up your cross, the symbol of death, until you say, okay, God, my life no longer belongs to me. 
It's not mine. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Who do you belong to? You belong to God. But until you pick up your cross, you'll never understand the freedom and the liberty it is in living for Jesus. Never. Because you retain parts of your life for yourself. And that's not picking up your cross. You have to come to God in forgiveness and then come to the place in your experience to, re to really experience freedom. God, whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'm surrendering my rights. I'm surrendering all of, all of my will, whatever. Now, does that mean you got to go be a monk somewhere? No, that's not what we're saying. It's where you're going to find purpose. It's where you're going to find freedom. It's where you're going to find power and glory. It's where you're going to find all the things in life that you have looked for. But it's not until the place where you come and say, I'm willing to sacrifice my life for what God wants for me. And when you come to that point, you'll find freedom. How free is freedom? you find freedom in completely surrendering to His Lordship and walking in His footsteps with your life, doing what He tells you to do and, and, and going where He wants you to go. You'll bring, you'll bring fulfillment and purpose into your life. You'll bring opportunities your way. There, you will experience things that you have never thought possible in the freedom of following and being voluntarily mastered by something greater than you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for these folks today. Father, I bless you. How free is freedom. How free. And what are we doing with our freedom? And have we really found the, the place of being completely free in you? Have we come to the place where we, where we have picked up our cross and we have said, God, whatever it takes, I am willing to totally follow you with my life. I just, I just sense somebody has a wrong idea of, of what I mean by that. Doesn't mean you had to quit your job. Doesn't mean you had to move to another country. Doesn't mean any of that. It just simply means a complete surrender of your life to God. Totally unreservedly giving yourself everything you have, your family, you, everything to God. And being willing to, to follow with your life. freedom. What a liberating, what a liberating act it is to just completely surrender your life to the Lord. Yes, I make my decisions. Yes, I, I follow my dreams. Yes, I, God is with me on the path. But I am open to change at any moment that God says you're not doing the right thing. Immediately being open to change. Freedom. Freedom. Are you free? Are you free? Have you completely surrendered your life to His Lordship?
I pray for our folks, God. I sense that people are thinking, and I, and I sense them in their heart, their mind. They're thinking about what they have heard. And I pray, Lord God, today that you liberate us. Bring us out. If, if, if we're in deception, God, allow someone to get close enough to us to pull the scales off of our eyes so that we might see. All of us is, is, is prone to be in deception probably in some areas of our life. And we need somebody that is close enough to us to help us through the, the process of being able to see. That is my prayer for all the folks that are here today. And that all of us would choose to decide today to completely and totally surrender to your Lordship today. And he that would lose his life shall do what? Find it. You want to find it? Give it to him. Boy, you got to give it to God. It's a choice. Here's my life. Take it. It's yours. Liberating, liberating act. that will cause you to find fulfillment and real peace in your life. What are you doing with your freedom? Just meditate on God just for a moment. Mercy and 